Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. The biggest game in the history between the Edmonton Oilers and the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow night? Well, not exactly. I think Mark Spector and myself saw the biggest game between the two teams. Back in 2006, Speck will join us momentarily. We're going to tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris in Edmonton, the 99th. Roos Chris opened. Uh, you can tell Chef Altoff and Chris that Oilers Net now sent you Roos Chris, the greatest steak you've ever had. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and we are pleased to be joined for our friends at Aquarian Renovations, an experience worth sharing. Get started today at AquarianRenovations.com. We welcome back to the show Mark Spector. Hi, Spec. How are you doing? Oh, pretty fair, Bobby. Team got a little healthier last night, at least the way they played. If if not uh, in their injured status, but uh, didn't the orders look like the team you, you thought they're supposed to look like a little bit more? Yeah, they battled. Uh, but look, let's actually start on on the Evander Kane front. Um, I'm thinking the Brian Marchman injury in Dallas was pretty scary. Uh, the Taylor Fadoon injury in a preseason game in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I was I was livid uh, on on that sequence of play. Um, that was I mean in the building we knew right away. I don't know if you heard the the audio recap, but the moment he got up, I could like it was obvious how he raced off as to what had happened. And uh, you know it's it's it it's sequences like that. I think that you know look it can be a dangerous game it was uh, a fluke thing that happened and it does put everything else kind of in perspective but uh you know and and just as what what happened with jay bowmeister i mean it couldn't have happened at a better place with jay and you know when he had uh, you know when the heart stopped um on the bench and, and in, in evander's case he had a lot of help around him and that really helped him out yeah the the you know, between it starts with your staff on your team, and then when something like that happens, the medical staff on the other team is immediately jumping on board. They're helping the, the opposing player for sure. And then there's the people who are not even around the benches, but they're manning the ambulance, the EMTs that are at those games. So, you know, one thing you can say, uh, the NHL is is very, very well prepared for anything that may happen in a game. And I think the track record is such that you know, yes, there's been a you just went through a few close calls. I'll, I'll say, you know, remember when Chris Pronger took that puck right in the chest, right? And his heart stopped for a while. Uh, there was Yuri Fisher, who passed out on the bench in Detroit. There was, uh, you know, we've seen a few over the years. Mush in, in Dallas, that was a real bad one. But in the end, every one of those situations came out in the positive side. And, and a lot of that is due to the fact that the, you know, they're ready for something. They're ready for worst-case scenarios. There's a lot of good medical people that are ready to act right away, and we saw that last night. I don't know who brought it, somebody brought it up with you, but uh, Winnipeg has to be careful because Winnipeg's an arena where the visiting players uh, do not have direct access to the back of their dressing room. And as you know, the backup goalie actually sits in the corner uh, right. Where the players come out on the ice for the visiting bench, so it's it's not always perfect, uh, you know. And it was scary, and uh, 
you know, we don't know at, at this point yet. Uh, obviously, Evander Kane has stated, uh, has, has put a tweet out spec, so, so that's good that he's cognitive and capable of doing that. And Ken Holland told Gene Principe last night, look, he's, he's going to be okay here. He's stable. Uh, but the reality is he's likely going to miss some time. Well, we move from from concern over the player, and then you just want to make sure that you know that looked pretty ugly last night, and and it doesn't take very long for things to go sideways when you're bleeding as badly as he was bleeding. So you go from from you know that concern I think is has passed. He's obviously going to be okay, and now you move to well, how long until he's okay, and how long until he can play. And there are two different things, right? We're far more worried about the player's life than we are about when he can jump back yes. on the ice and score goals. But we're in the sports business, and if if you're telling me Evander Kane's going to be okay, and he told us that on Twitter today, now I'm going to ask, when when's he going to come back and play? And you know, if it's it's really depending here on how deep that cut is. If, if he just nicked an artery, and that's why he was bleeding, then you know it, you got to wait for the skin and the artery to heal, and you can play. If you if you cut through a tendon or something, oh boy, you know, for a, a hockey player uses their wrists every shift and that's problem so let's let's figure out before we start guessing here let's you know let's we got to learn what the severity of the injury is and then we'll get some kind of timeline here we had a lot of people text in on the show um and i finally addressed it at should there have been a slew foot called there on that sequence i mean obviously the maroon part of it was purely accidental was that a slew foot that knocked him to the ice in the first place yeah, sure. You know, yes, I, I guess I would say yeah. But it, to me, it's two guys battling for a puck. You know, I yeah. think I recall one that Drysaddle was involved in. Uh, yeah, was with, it, uh, no, Matthew Kachuk. He got Kachuk. What's that with Kachuk? Anyway, two big men battling for position. And, you know, it goes a little sideways. Was it a slew foot? I guess. The traditional slew foot where you skate up behind the guy and kick his heels out. You know, that, yeah, it, wasn't it wasn't that. like that. It wasn't yeah. like that. So, you know what? No one cares about that play until the maroon accidental thing happens. And now we're, we're you know, it's, 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 um, Tampa Bay CSI trying to find some way to, to get a penalty out of the deal. Stuff happens, man. It's the hockey game. There's lots of things that go on. All right. So that's the Evander thing, and we're on hold right now. I mean, I, I think we have to be pragmatic. They're going to – I think he's, he's probably going to go on LTIR. What's that? Yeah. He's going to miss games. The question is, does he go on LTIR? If you go on LTIR, as you know, Bob, you miss 10 games or twenty four and 24 days. Yeah. Right, so ten games is a lot. Like if if, if he you know. came back within twenty four days, that would to me that would be remarkable. Based on that's you know, yeah, they I would, would be I lucky. Would say the same to you, Bob. I would say when I see that type of a thing, I think I think a month right away. So a yeah, month is too. LTIR, and let's say he goes in LTIR. What do you do? And you bring in, you have Benson here. You need left wingers. You have Benson. You're going to probably bring up Jan Mark. Benson is. Ben, Benson is still, for me, I mean, I they, they were testing to see his explosiveness uh, before practice in Washington on Sunday. He looked to me like he's at least two weeks away and, and might need some time in the minors. Like, he might need to go on a conditioning stint because he hasn't played. Okay. Uh, and, he, and so, I mean, the, the thing is, they can actually call up a couple guys, you know, because if a leader goes on LTIR, well, Clint, I mean. You know, we get a look at Clem Costin. How about that? It's interesting, Mark, because 
They signed Yanmark for a reason, for depth in case Holloway wasn't ready. Basically, Holloway beat out. It came down to, it, it did come down to ultimately Yanmark versus Derek Ryan because of the price point, but it also partially happened because of Holloway. And mm-hmm. the, right? Because one of Ryan or Yanmark was going to have to clear. Had Holloway not made the team, one of those guys would have been sent down for a day. Holloway been on, would have been on the active roster to start the year. Then he would have been sent down. And the guy, would, you know, let's say Yanmark would have been back up. I think Yamark's probably the first recall, um, and then if 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 Holloway does go down, then then we're looking at one of Malone and or Costin, because it's got to be a guy in, you know making less than what Holloway's making in terms so of who's your ball, who's you know. your second line left winger if if Holloway goes down. Well, and I and I you know I I'm looking at this thinking Holloway should stay. That, that's what I now you have an opportunity to actually play Holloway more than eight minutes in a game. Yeah, like I would do. play Holloway with and and people can you know I'm going to throw it out there right now in the Ashley Fine Floors text line. So let's let's deal in the assumption that given what occurred with Evander, he's probably going to be out a month. Like the orders will be lucky if it's four to six weeks. Okay, yep. so if it's me based on what they have in the organization. I'm playing Holloway, second line left wing, with Dreisaitl and Hyman, and keeping Nuge with McDavid and Pugliarvi. I'm definitely keeping Fogel and, and Yamamoto together with McLeod. That was the best game Fogel played all year. I thought Yamamoto was good, and those guys hang out together, Spec. You know that. So they're throwing those guys, they're laying the gauntlet down, saying, we need more out of you guys. You're going to play together. Yeah, so, I like that. That provides Holloway with the opportunity to see some more minutes, and then you can play Yanmark, Shore, and Ryan together. That's yeah, which is a solid, hard-working fourth line. I mean, you you brought you brought in Yanmark for one reason and one reason only. He's a fourth line left winger. That's what he is, and he's been sitting in Bakersfield. So let's here's your chance to, to put him in your team and see how he fits yeah. in your mix and. And uh, I totally agree with you on this. It's bad radio, but it's the truth. It's uh, Holloway's got to go one of two places. Uh, he's got to get off the fourth line, playing six minutes a night. He's got to either move up and get some minutes, or get down to Bakersfield and get some minutes. But sitting on the fourth line, playing six or seven minutes is it's a, it's a poor development method, and no one knows that more than Ken Holland. It's twelve forty-five in Edmonton. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Jack Campbell. And the Oilers' tenacity and their ability to bounce back against a good team and their special teams and the the changing nuances of who Jay Woodcroft deployed when we return on Oilers now. 1248 in Edmonton, Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers now. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, CBA-mandated off day for the Edmonton Oilers. No update from the Oilers today yet on the situation with Evander Kane. Evander did put out a tweet earlier this morning. If you're looking for a great Oilers road trip, you can join Oilers now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers and the Golden Knights and all the famous Vegas attractions. This new West travel package includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel and the Vegas Strip. Uh, game tickets will have a welcome reception. We've had some great guests over the years at our welcome reception for the Oilers now hockey package. Um, visit newestravel.com. We have Sportsnet Spec, Mark Specter for Aquarian Renovations on the line. All right, Mark, we've kind of discussed the various uh, different aspects to what happened with Evander Kane. 
Uh, now let's get to the game itself. I mean, that was a resilient performance. The orders got in. Uh, we got to the hotel at 3.30 in the morning uh, in Tampa Bay on Monday night after a tough loss in Washington, reversal of fortune for the special teams, and buoyed by their best penalty killer in the game, Jack Campbell. Yeah, you know, I think it it was summed up to me after the game when Connor McDavid said, "Nice to nice to show that we can still play defense." <laughs> you know, this is a cyclical team, Bob. They dig in defensively and they play well and they keep the other team to two goals. And sometimes they score three and sometimes they score five or seven. And they start winning some games, and then they take their foot off the gas defensively, and they start to lose games. And then they go, geez, we've got to get this back together. What do they do? They dig in on the penalty kill. They dig in defensively. They get some goaltending, and lo and behold, they win again. And, and I think we've watched this cycle now with this team for you know a few years. And guys, the difference now, of course, Bob, is the guys that that drive the bus here, they all know that it doesn't matter how, you know, it's all about scoring seven, seven every night. When the chips are down, the games are important. You got to play defensively, you got to kill penalties, and you got to allow your goaltender a chance to win you a game, uh, which is what they did last night. And Campbell, uh, Campbell obliged. Yeah, he was good. Uh, no, and he was good earlier. I mean, the shots were 8 nothing at one point uh, for Tampa Bay, and the Oilers kind of survived the first half of the game and then got a breakthrough on the PK. Jay Woodcroft, by my count, used nine different forwards on the penalty killing last night, Spec. Your thoughts? <laughs> Searching for it. When, you're, when your PK is going as bad as Edmonton's has, that's what happens. What did Jay say before the game? I'm open for business. I'm looking for guys who want to compete and contribute. So, you know what? He put his money where his mouth was. He used a whole bunch of guys. And, and uh, you know, you can't – we've watched Edmonton win the special teams game how many times over the last two years they score their power play goals and they win hockey games for them. Well, the opposite is true. You know, when you can't kill a penalty, it make, it, it seeps inside your team. And everybody plays a, a not as effective brand of hockey because they're all afraid to take a penalty. And the minute they do, they know it's going in their net. So you got to dig in. And they really did. I, I, I was impressed last night with the team that dug in and said, okay, we're going to stop this thing and we're going to stop it right now. And they did all the things it took to go into a tough building on the second of a back-to-back and win a game. Uh, you got to take a hat off to them. That's not an easy game to win ball. Mark, there is a stat that I use to assess teams, okay? And I use it as a member of the U Sports Top 10 Committee, and that is goal differential. That is the stat that tells me a lot big, about teams. Big stat, yep. Right, and it spiked under Jay Woodcroft last year. Now, the Oilers also, frankly, had a relatively easy schedule in the final 35 games of the year last year. Guess what's happened this year? They've had, like, we're 14 games into the season. They've had a fairly tough sked to open the season. They've played Calgary and St. Louis twice. We are going to talk about Calgary and St. Louis at 1 o'clock today. But, you know, those teams were in the playoffs last year. So let's work backwards here. Tampa Bay in the playoffs. That's five teams in the playoffs. Washington in the playoffs. That gets us to six. Dallas was in the playoffs. That gets us to seven. Uh, Nashville was in the playoffs. That gets us to eight. 
Pittsburgh in the playoffs. That gets us to nine. Carolina was in the playoffs. That gets us to ten. I mean, the non-playoff teams Edmonton's played so far have been Vancouver, Buffalo, uh, New Jersey. I'm missing one team here. I think the Oilers have played 11 of their first 14 games against playoff teams. Okay. And lot, like they have not played San Jose. And I, I don't want to upset Phil, Fear the Finn, SJ Sharkey out there. But San Jose is a rebuilding Chicago. team. You miss Chicago. I miss Chicago, non-playoff team. There you go. Good call, Spec. <laughs> so 10 of their 14 games have been played against playoff teams. It looks like St. Louis is in a little bit of trouble here. Calgary's not in trouble. They're just in a funk. There's a difference. Um, but, you know, the reality is their goals, there's, their goals spiked. And, and where I'm going with this uh, in terms of goal differential is as bad as the penalty killing has been. And it's been bad. And it's cost them some games here. And it's, it's still an area of concern. After they got the two on the power play last night, they got 17 power play goals and they got 18 PK goals. But they have th- three shorthanded goals when they've been... Uh, you know, on the PK, and they've only given up one short against. They're actually plus one on spe- so they're only a marginal plus team overall on goal differential. Mm-hmm. But they have room to grow, and I think as the year goes on, they're actually going to play, play. Their strength of schedule will actually weaken. Do you think I'm out to lunch there? Or do you think I might be on to something? No, like for instance, all the California teams, they they really don't play them much until the second half of the season, and like Anaheim. That- yeah. San Jose and Anaheim are, are not great teams, and they're and by the second half of the season, the reality will have been long sunk, sunk in down there that there is not going to be playoffs there. Uh, you know, the Kings are competitive, and look at Vegas. Holy man, they might be the best team in hockey with the Bruins. So yeah, their schedule will settle out a little bit for sure, and and you know what, that's okay. They're I don't mind. They're surviving a tough start against tough teams. You know, their record's not doesn't knock the lights out, but they're playing okay and they're finding themselves. And I sense they'll be a better second half team. And if the opponents are a tad weaker than they've been, then that should make for some points in Feb, March, and April. Because this is this is a tough stretch. Like you know what, Carolina and Florida. Like I don't think Florida's as good as they were. Oilers have historically played well in Florida. They've beaten Carolina once. I think Carolina's really good. Uh, you know, this th- this was this was always going to be a tough road trip. Washington, Tampa, Carolina, Florida. Now it is spread out, and that was an important win last night. Quick thought on Fogle and uh, Pulleyarvey. Well, they're both two guys are trying to find themselves here, right? And and give Fogel credit. Like I'm, you know, he willed himself out of a hole last night. You could see it on his face when he scored that goal. He was very engaged in that hockey game. He, you know, out there, there he is out there shooting 150 feet at an empty net. It's That's one of those ones that it's only a smart play if you hit the empty net. <laughs> and he missed it. But, uh, you know what, He's he needed a big game and he had it. And I like guys that can dig themselves out of those holes. And Paul Yarby is, you know what, he's, we're still waiting. So, yeah, he's playing with McDavid and, and McDavid's putting the puck on his tape. I think he said eight shots in his last two games is not a point. So, you know, I don't give a guy a ton of credit for getting scoring chances when he's playing next to Connor McDavid, right? At some point, those scoring chances, you got to do something with them. So the jury's still out on, on the latest move with Poyerby, in my opinion. I think he's going to get some time there. He'll get some time next to McDavid, but I'd like to see him do something with that time. Is that fair? 
Yeah, the Kane situation increases that probability for Pulley-Arvey. And I, 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 if I was Jay, I would keep McLeod, Fogle, and Yamamoto together as a third line. They're buddies. They hang out together. All right. You know, you're, you know, especially yep. McLeod, Yamamoto. Uh, you know, McLeod, Yamamoto, and Bouchard on defense are supposed to be the, the, the Oilers draft pick support group that comes behind and layers behind McDavid and Settle and Nurse. This is their time. Because they they've all been a disappointment to start the year. Even McLeod, even McLeod, who had a good four or five game window, he's kind of gone a little quiet here. They need him going too because he's he could be a real important player for him. Yeah, you know. he made the play on that Fogel goal last night. Yeah, uh, you know, so I've liked McLeod's game more than the others for sure. And I'll be honest with you, I think the jury's sort of coming back on Yamamoto, a first-round draft pick who's had the majority of career at his career in Edmonton in the top six. Uh, I would say it's fair to ask each other here, is he a top six player or is he a third-line right winger? Is that where he should play? Um, you know, his style of game, his ability to finish, you know, or, or lack of ability a lot of the time, let's face it, uh, he may have found himself where he should be, and that could be a third-line right wing ball.